Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to this week's edition of the Baseball America College Podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill. Joining me, as always, is Joe Healy. And we will be joined a little later on by Wake Forest coach Tom Walter and former Wake Forest player Kevin Jordan, who are starting a uh, exciting new venture called Get in the Game. Uh, we'll get into uh, what all of that is, but it's a, it's a nonprofit that they're they're leading up, and we're we're excited to to talk with them about that here on the Baseball America College podcast, presented by Rapsodo. Rapsodo has become the industry standard in player performance data. Coaches use Rapsodo data as a measuring stick for player development and evaluation. The Rapsodo National Player Database is a free service that allows you to see how you stack up against your peers and provides a pathway to get discovered by scouts can check out the Rapsodo National Player Database at rapsodo.com slash national database. All right, Joe, we're, uh, we're here for another edition of, of the podcast. This one's going to be a little bit different, a little less heavy on the college baseball talk um, by virtue of our, our guests this week. Uh, we'll still have plenty of college baseball talk, though. We're, we're going to get into our latest top 25 uh, which was about the uh, the potential strikeout champion in 2021. We, we we ran through some candidates, much as we did last week with the home runs. This week we're focusing on the pitchers and, and on strikeouts, so we'll we'll have that. But uh, yeah, just a, a little less baseball than than normal this week, I think, Joe. Yeah, it's it's a good change of pace. Um, you and I both talked about how it was kind of nice to talk about something a little bit different this week. Not that we don't love talking baseball and getting ready for the 21 season and, and all of that. That's certainly enjoyable, but this kind of scratches a different itch. Talk about something um, very different, uh, very important, something that is a passion project for both uh, Coach Walter and Kevin Jordan. Uh, so it is kind of a nice change. It, it is different. Um, but um, for those who are about to listen to the interview, I would – urge you and that they talk about this in the interview, but urge you to kind of check out what they're doing and, and how it started and the story behind it. Obviously these, these two people have quite a history together that you might've heard about in the past and they're continuing to, to work together. And now they've got this, uh, they will always be bonded together by their story, but now they're even closely, more closely bonded together by what they're doing here with the, the work of their organization. So cool conversation. I really enjoyed it. Like enjoyed getting to hear about it. I kind of purposely, I did a little bit of research on what they were doing because I, I didn't want to come into the interview completely ignorant on what was going on. But I also didn't do a ton because I kind of wanted to hear it from them in the moment and kind of experience it that way. Uh, because it tends to, when you hear someone explain their, the, the why and the how of what they're doing uh, directly from their, their mouth, sometimes you can really feel that emotion coming through and, and feel the weight of it versus reading it on a page. So I kind of, did that on purpose to a certain degree and, and really enjoyed what I got out of it and hearing it that way. So a uh, cool interview. I think, I think you'll enjoy it a lot, even if it is a little bit of a, a different deal than what we've been doing here lately. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think we'll, we'll get to the interview quicker than the normal as well um, because it's a little weird going from baseball to slightly non-baseball back to baseball. So we'll just, we'll stack all the baseball at the back end uh, here, but so before we get into it with uh, with Tom Walter and Kevin Jordan, the the story that Joe's alluding to that you know you'll hear a little bit about here as well during the interview. But if if you don't remember, uh, about ten years ago in 2011, uh, when Kevin Jordan was a freshman at Wake Forest, uh, Tom Walter, who is, is his coach at the time, um, donated a kidney 
to, to Kevin. Uh, got a fair amount of play. Uh, there were, I read a New York Times article about it um, today, I guess. Uh, you know, Tom mentions a Baseball America article, which, you know, also, uh, you know, obviously we, we covered it, um, ESPN, um, you know, every, it got a lot of national plays, basically what I'm, I'm saying here. So he, uh, he donated the kidney to Kevin, and then Kevin went on to play four years at Wake Forest. Um, and now they are, uh, they're, they're teaming up again for a new venture. Um, so let's hear about it from them. And uh, we'll, we'll get right to our interview here with Tom Walter and Kevin Jordan. Today on the Baseball America College podcast, we're excited to welcome in Wake Forest coach and former Wake Forest player, Kevin Jordan. They are here to talk a little bit about their new venture. Uh, it's called Get in the Game. It's, uh, it's a program that you know, is, uh, is a very exciting one. Um, you, know, it's, uh, you announced, I guess it was about a week ago now, that, that this, uh, this Get in the Game program is a curriculum which is designed to educate, inspire, empower young people to take action and create change in their communities. You're working with middle schoolers, high school age kids through kind of a club model. Um, so can you just kind of give us a little more depth about what, uh, what you guys are doing and, and uh, what your goals are with all of this? Of course, Teddy, thank you to you and Joe and Baseball America for having us on. Um, we, we obviously follow your uh, publication and your podcast religiously and just grateful for everything you do for our game. But um, this all started with a conversation Kevin and I had uh, shortly after Memorial Day and the, and the tragic death of, of George Floyd. I called Kevin just to check on him, just to make sure he was doing okay, to make sure his family was doing okay. And we got to talking about kind of the state of the world and, and how we wished we could take action and, and do something to, to make a change, a lasting and impacting change. And um, at that time, I was telling Kevin a story uh, about how when I learned I was a match, as many of the listeners on this podcast know, that 2011, I donated my kidney to Kevin and uh, made national news, was an E60, et cetera, et cetera. Baseball America did a big piece, of course. And, um, and anyway, I was, I was kind of telling Kevin a story that I'd never told him before, which was when I learned I was a match, I went to a dear friend of mine to tell him I was going to give my kidney to Kevin. And he asked me, well, can you do that? And I was a little confused by the question. So I, I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, isn't Kevin black? And, you know, as I've told this story a few times recently, um, you know, it wasn't a question of, of malice or, or racism. It was just really a question of not understanding science, quite honestly. And and um, I remember my response to this uh, gentleman very clearly. And it was, well, well, yeah, my blood and his blood are the same. And that's all that matters. And as those words were coming out of my mouth, telling Kevin that story, it just hit me like a lightning bolt that that's the message that our country needs to hear. And specifically, the kids in our schools need to hear. My blood and his blood is the same. And that's all that matters. So Kevin and I want to go into the schools, tell our story and then parlay that into meaningful conversations uh, around institutional and systemic racism. We want to give these kids a voice so they can express their opinions. We want to, we want to educate them so they have a better understanding of who they are, where they came from, what they stand for, and, and what kind of difference they can make in the world. So we don't want this to only be about education. We want this to be about action. We want to parlay that education into them taking action in their communities. We want to give them the information, the resources, technology, and the opportunity that they need to go out into the world and make a difference. Yeah, I think Coach summed it up. Um, like you said, he called me. He had, we had been in touch since I graduated, and that was in 2015. But um, we, we had this conversation, obviously, with everything going on. And and it just, it just kind of clicked between both of us that action was um, was was going to be necessary, and that we had the story and um, and the background to be able to do something. So, um, it I mean it was a week later or two weeks later, and I'd moved from um, from Florida where my parents were living to Winston Salem, North Carolina. I, I jumped 
jumped and uh, and moved up there, and we we got going this summer. So Kevin, you you were you, you're completely you know bought in now. If you if you relocated and, and did everything, what were you doing uh, before uh, that this this came about? Well, long before I was I was in sales in Atlanta, and that was after I graduated, and I'd done some coaching. Um, at the at the college level D, division three um but immediately before that you know it was during COVID, and COVID had kind of shut everything down and um i was at home you know not not doing anything and uh so when he called i was i was ready to jump at the opportunity to do anything but but when um you know when we we started talking and we both kind of get fired up about the possibilities of what this can do and you know the energy start was there and, and i was like I'll, I'll you know i'll get out of here tomorrow if i can and and that's pretty much what happened so the ball already very much rolling here the program is underway at, at three schools in north carolina and at the nationals youth academy in, in dc what has the response been like so far well, it's been overwhelming, truthfully. Everybody that we talk to about this just embraces this story as something that, in their mind, this country needs right now. We, we need more education, we need more conversation, and we need more action. So again, empowering these young students that we're calling game changers, you know, to write their script for the world that they envision I think is what resonates with people about this program. I think there's a lot of things out there that that some people align with and some people don't. And uh, and again, the education of children is something that that everybody can get their arms around. So first and foremost, the 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 community and the and the corporations and the foundations have all been very responsive. But more importantly, the response from the kids in the pilot schools has been fantastic. We. There was a retreat at Greensboro Day uh, last Wednesday that we went, that Kevin and I went, and we visited with some students that were going through kind of a deep dive on some of these topics. And we got to watch them watch some movie clips and, and, and have great conversation around those clips. Uh, the one clip in particular they were watching was Hidden Figures, the bathroom scene where, where Kevin Costner is ripping down the, the sign and, and, and telling the star of the movie that, that she can go to the bathroom wherever she wants. And... Uh, just a really powerful um, scene and, and time for, for us to be in. And one of the cool things was, you know, we got them on video asking them, you know, a very simple question. I want to live in a world that dot, dot, dot. And as kids always do, right, they nail the answer. They boil it down to its simplest form and they, and they get it just perfect. And one of the kids said, I want to live in the world where there are no protests. And other kids, you know, were saying, I want to live in a world where I'm not judged, you know, things like that. So it was a it's just a really cool day for us to kind of see this program in action. Now, I I, I would like to add that um just being there like you said we were we were able to get into school um with everything going on like we finally found the arena to get actually go into a school physically and I watched those kids embrace conversations and talk about things that I don't remember voicing verbally, like, you know, out loud until probably even after high school. Um, it, it was, it was really, it was really impressive. And I, I think we'll see, you know, we'll see something good come out of that. So, so you guys have this idea and, and you decide to, to embark on this, uh, you know, this effort, how then do you guys kind of go about synthesizing your ideas into, uh, you know, this curriculum? You know, obviously, Tom, you have a, a baseball team to coach and, and you know, all, all the rest of that. How do you guys go about then, you know, creating th this thing from the idea? Well, the first thing I, I started to do was was make some phone calls to people I trust. Um, David Couch, who, who um, our ballpark is named after was was my first call. And, um, you know, David and I had a long conversation about this and, and my idea. And of course, he immediately jumped on board and, and offered um, support and, and, and wanted to be a part of our board um, to help connect us to the right people to, to grow our mission. My, my second call was to a dear friend of mine, Amanda, who I've known for a long time. And 
Amanda's kind of been at the intersection of, you know, of education and, and social entrepreneurship her whole career. And um, she's got a PhD in, in um, education and, and again, has been in this space, um, you know, for the past 30 years. So um, uh, uh, she was my next call to help us kind of start to talk about what this curriculum would look like. Because again, at the center of this is education. You know, again, we don't have any intention of telling these kids how to think or, or what to think or what to say or, or even what to do. We just want to arm them with the kind of toolkit that they need to make a really good decision um, for themselves. So Amanda and I got to work um, starting to put together some curriculum and then we, you know, we started to assemble our team, you know, like anything else, you know, first you get your coaching staff in place and then you start to get players um, so we hired an executive director in Michael Barron and and uh, put together a curriculum team of, of people from across the country that have varying, you know, experiences in education as well as diversity. Um, and, uh, you know, again, just kind of got to work um, putting our, our curriculum together. Exactly. I'll um I'll put this this question to to, to Kevin first um, because sure. it hasn't been all that long since you were kind of in these students' shoes and, and that's not me calling you old coach I promise but uh, you know but it hadn't been that long for Kevin you know since he can kind of put himself in the shoes of these students putting yourself in those shoes and looking through the eyes of the students what do you want this program to kind of become and and what do you I know you're just starting and you, you've got these, these big goals, but I'm curious if you allowed yourself in, in certain moments to think about what could become of this and what that future looks like and, and what the end game is here with what you guys are trying to do. Yeah. Um, well, I, I would start by being, by saying that um, before the situation um, with, you know, that, that with Walt giving me the kidney, I never, I, I had a different feeling about a lot of things um about race and a lot of different issues and that's just because I grew up in a town that was fairly segregated I grew up segregated I grew up in uh, middle Georgia so to so to have Walt do it he did and I'll tell you a story my granddad he's 101 so he he was born during the uh, first world war and to see what Walt did to me what he was in like a state of disbelief. Um, so, 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 so just that as, as a background, but I think what I want, what I want to see is, is kids have a feeling of power, have a feeling they have power over their situation, right? Mm -hmm. Like they have aut autonomy over their situation because they have the knowledge that they can change something. They have the, the backup they have the the platform that they can speak on it and I think that that is that's a lot of it and that's one thing when I was growing up I never felt I had that. I felt like I needed to be you know I needed to become this superstar athlete to be able to say what I wanted to say um but instead like it's out there you can do it now we're, we're trying to give them the arena the platform to get together and and, and find a common cause and, and speak their minds. No, I think that's perfectly well said, Kevin. Uh, and I and, and certainly um, couldn't have said it any better myself. But um, but yeah, Teddy, I, I think the you know it's it's all about how do you take an idea and turn it into action. And these you know these kids today you know and and you and you're right. I am old. Number one, um, you're 100 percent right about that, and I'm, I'm proud yeah, of too. it. Like, it's like a badge of honor. But, um, but Kevin called me old on a call the other day. So it's that the cat's already out of the bag. But, um, but at any rate, point is, is that, um, you know, kids are forced to grow up so much sooner now because of social media and how connected the world is. Um, and they're, they're making decisions and they're putting things out there that could could change their life for, for better or worse. And, and again, you know, when I was growing up, you know, you didn't really, you know, have to worry about being a grown up until you were out of college. And now these kids today are having to worry about those things when they're 13, 14, and 15 years old, which is 
again, is the way it is. And, and it's up for us to give them the toolkit they need to adjust to that world, right? The world's not going to adjust. I tell our players all the time, the world's not going to adjust to you. We've got to adjust to the world. We're, the the umpire strike zone is not going to adjust to you. You've got to adjust to the umpire strike zone. So, so point of the matter is, is that, um, you know, helping these kids understand that. And, and like Kevin said, perfectly just empowering them um, to feel confident about their situation. I mean, so many kids, um, you know, get out of bed each day and they feel alone. They feel, um, you know, they don't look forward to their day. And, and we want kids to have something to rally around. We want them to have a community that they believe in and, and who believes in them. They, we want them to understand that they're believed in. And then we want them to wake up every single day looking forward to their day and, and becoming the best versions of themselves and, and, and using that knowledge to make a difference in the world. Kevin, there aren't a lot of black college baseball players, um, which I'm sure is something that you noticed while, while you were playing. Just what, what is that like being one of the few that, that are out there on the field or, or in, in a clubhouse? Well, grow, growing up, it, it's sort of always been that way once you get to a certain level. So you do get used to it. And I would even say if it, you know, if I wouldn't have gotten sick, who knows if I would have played college baseball. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but it, it, it is, it's a, it's a small, small minority, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of those guys, if they're, they were like me and they almost felt like they had to be the best player on the field and that created that chip on their ch shoulder that they needed. Um, and I'd really rather it not be like that, but you know, it is what it is. When when you're the only one, um, uh, you know that that's just that that's how it is. But I, I hope to get more. You know, that's not what getting the game is about. But um, I, I have my own mission on getting getting more um, African Americans playing baseball. But um, that's a, that may be another podcast. Coach, if, if, if someone listens to this and they, they hear kind of the mission of what you guys are trying to do um, and it, it speaks to them in a certain way and they, they want to be able to get involved in, in whatever small or large way they can, how would you recommend they go about that and, and start to get involved and, and try to make a difference? Yeah, first thing, go to our website, uh, getinthegame.org, uh, spelling out getinthegame.org, all the words spelled out. And um, there are various ways to get involved. Obviously, um, you know, we need connections to schools to grow our program. We need connections to media to, to do things like this and, and get the word out. Uh, we need connections to corporations and foundations. Um, we need individual donors, both small and large. Um, so there's, there's a million different ways. And, and certainly um, as this thing grows and, and we stretch across the country, we're going to need boots on the ground too. Well, part of this is, is setting up an alumni program, uh, again, where they have a community where, where they can lean on each other for job opportunities. And, and just to talk about the world, you know, one part of this program is for us to connect schools in different parts of the country with each other so they can just have a little better understanding of what somebody else's life looks like. You know, the, the timeless nine that's at the center of this, one of the, the big parts of the timeless nine is empathy. Um, and our kid talks, kindness, empathy, dignity, and diversity um, all center around empathy and, and dignity. And dignity is being worthy of respect, which I, I just love that word because it brings in the element of, of being worthy of that respect, that it's not something that's just given to you. But, um, but as we grow across the country and, and have boots on the ground, you know, we want to connect these game changers to businesses in their communities that are, that have, are equitable um, and we want to just help get this world on its path to, to equality and equity. And those are, are two very different words. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add, um, first of all, everything Walt said is exactly right. Check out the site. Um, you can donate if you have connections to schools. Um, but I, whenever I get a chance, I always like to add that our facilitators are going to be the true superstars in these individual clubs. I, I met with two of them for breakfast the other weekend. And, you know, one was a young guy about my age and another guy was, he was probably, he, he was probably Walt's age. Um, 
and they tag team spent their own time, their, their free time um, to do this program. And I just wanted to get in their heads and see why. And, you know, we talked for an hour and I kind of realized, I was like, the facilitators at each one of these clubs, they're going to be the superstars. Like, you know, we, I may, I may be the face, you know, Walt may be the face, our story may be the face, but the true superstars are going to be the people that step up, um, give their free time and, and facilitate our program and, and get in front of these kids face to face. And it, so far that's, that's been true. Like the, everyone I've met, um, that have been special people, all the facilitators that we have so far. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you guys have mentioned the way that, not that your relationship started, but the way that you guys kind of rose to somewhat prominence, uh, you know, with the, the kidney donation and then that story getting told. How has your relationship changed over the last decade, especially once uh, Kevin you know, graduated and no longer, it was no longer a coach-player relationship? How, how have things evolved since then? I, I would like to start that one. Uh, obviously being recruited by, by coach Walt was, was different from a little, a little different from playing with him, but he's always been really straightforward with me. Um, playing for him was, (laughs) was, was something else. I mean, I didn't have the success that I wanted to have and I didn't, I don't think I had the success that coach Walt wanted to have because he knew how much talent I had. And, um, so even knowing that he gave me a kidney to, you know, to strike out with runners on, you know, third with, with less than one out and to see his face, the first face I see when I come in the dugout um, was just different. I was like, I can't, like, I know he's mad, but he doesn't hate me. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, but after we graduated, I think we became more like, more like friends, even though, you know, he's, he, he's a little older than me, not that much. But um, he's a little older than me, but but I feel like as we've as I graduated and got away from the player coach relationship, we've become closer to friends, um, and, and and we can kind of talk about things that are going on, which obviously led to this. So, well, I'll echo Kevin's sentiments. You know, first and foremost, um, you know when I when I first got to know Kevin through the recruiting process, just excited for him to be, you know, again, a, a, a new program in the ACC, new coaching staff in the ACC, trying to build our program. You know, he was somebody that we thought we could and would build our program around. He was one of our first recruits and he was one of those guys that, um, you know, on the field was a game changer, you know, that could take over a game, both with his arm, with his power, with his speed, with his defense, you know, kind of one of those five tool guys where, you know, the other team is, is game planning on, on how to, how to prevent him from taking over the game. And um, so for him to get sick, you know, the first things first as a dad that just pulls on your heart, um, you know, to see that happen. But, um, but the first feeling I had for Kevin, once he get on, once he got on campus was just tremendous respect for the courage that he had, you know, the courage that it took for him with 8% kidney function and being tethered to a dialysis machine um, for the better part of the week, um, for him to move from Columbus, Georgia and his home to, um, to Wake Forest, a town where he knew nobody, you know, he's 50 pounds lighter than he was, you know, and, and literally fighting for his life. Um, you know, the, the amount of courage that that took, I, I can't even put that into words, right? I don't, I, I, you know, that is not something that I take, take lightly. Um, and I'm, I'm super proud of him for, for making that decision to do that. So, you know, quite honestly, from the moment he drove to Winston-Salem with his parents, you know, like all my players, but, but especially with somebody that is, has displayed that type of courage, I was going to do whatever I could um, for the rest of my life to help him be successful. And then when he got to wake it was always a super tough balance for me because I didn't want to show favoritism um, because of everything that we had been through. And my mom and Kevin's mom are, are good friends and still talk weekly, um, you know, and, and it was hard for me. You know, I've always tried to separate um, and keep those emotions in check and not and not play favorites, so to speak. But it was 
it was hard for me not to be tugged toward that. So probably the reality is, is I probably kind of went overboard the other direction to make sure I didn't play favorites, um, you know, which is a really tricky, a tricky dynamic and something that I've I struggled with all the time. I probably was a little harder on Kevin than I should have been um, because I was trying to let the team know that I wasn't playing favorites because of everything that he and I had been through and, and how our families were, were forever connected. Um, and then once he graduated, you know, again, like Kevin said it perfectly, I mean, that just transitioned into mutual respect and, and friendship and has really just grown from there and I just couldn't be more proud. He, he spoke on video the other day too. And, and, and he said it perfectly. He said, I want to, I want to leave the world a better place than I found it. And uh, you know, for, for one of our young men, any one of our young men to graduate our program and then, and then set his sights on making the world a better place. I just, again, couldn't be more proud of that. And that's right in line with Wake Forest mission of pro humanitate and, and everything that, um, that we preach to our guys and everything that we stand for as a program. Yeah. And yeah, um, I know we only have nine minutes remaining, but um, yeah, I, I also don't take it lightly that, that uh, coach wall unprovoked, unprovokingly like asked, asked if he could, donate a kidney as soon as he as soon as he like saw me and knew the situation um that that's a huge deal and and uh for somebody to do that for you is is life-changing to know that people that don't know you really know you can still love you um that the world is not out to get you the world you know people like that exist the fact that people like that exist was was huge and also that coach walt definitely as a coach gave me my fair shake i mean I, I just I didn't have the chip on my shoulder that I had in high school after receiving the kidney and going through all that. I was kind of I was more happy go lucky. And if you would have saw me in high school, it was a different story. <laughs> During the game, it was there were there were not many smiles. I was I was getting after people. And um, when I got to college, I was kind of you know it wasn't that I was happy to be there. Um, I just kind of understood more about what life actually meant, like things and you know bigger than baseball. We'll start to, uh, to wrap here. I, I suppose we'll, we'll shoehorn in a, a baseball question here while, while we, we've got you here, Coach. But, uh, you know, 20 uh, fall practice underway, the 2021 season, um, getting ever closer day by day here, um, obviously coming off of a unique situation with the way the 2020 season ended and how that affects rosters and, and things of that nature. So what has you most excited for 2021 now that you've got your team back on campus and had a little bit of time with them? Well, first off, just that appreciation. I, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, sometimes the best thing that can happen to a player is that he redshirts a year because it just gives him a little greater appreciation of the game. Um, and, and he kind of finds that, that love of the game that, that sometimes can get lost along the way when you're feeling the pressure of travel baseball. And then it seems like every at bat in college is the end of the world, you know, and, and, we're asking our guys to put in 30, 35 hours a week of, of, their, of their time between practice and lifting and video and, and working on their own uh, and their academic support and tutoring, et cetera, can feel a, a lot like a job. So uh, again, our guys have really embraced this fall and attacked each day with, with kind of vigor and passion, which has been fun to watch. We've Knock on wood, we've been COVID free all fall. We've had a great fall. Um, we've got about another nine days of, uh, of fall baseball. We'll conclude with our scout day on the 28th. Really excited about the talent of this team. We've got a frontline pitching staff. We've got some back end bullpen guys that are electric. We've got our, you know, three, four, five, well, our, you know, one through seven hitters back. Uh, actually, yeah, well, yeah, one through seven and our nine hole guy back. So we've got eight of our nine guys in the lineup back, you know, so, you know, you look at our team and you, and you look at the experience and the past success of our players and on paper, um, this is as good a club as we've ever had. So, um, so just really excited about the season. Every week goes that goes by that football games are played is, is super encouraging for us because uh, again, if football gets their season in and basketball gets their season in, it's just going to lend to a, a higher chance of success that, that we have a, a normal season. <laughs> yeah, and as far as my 2021, since since I'm not coaching the, D, the Division One baseball team, 
unless you want to hear about my 9U um, travel team, my 2021 would be uh, um, worrying about getting in the game. Like, I would be super focused on making change in the community, becoming the, you know, spreading my web across uh, Winston-Salem as a start and uh, and really building this organization. So where I didn't have that chip on my shoulder um, playing baseball, I really do have that about making change in, in, in the community. And, and my 2021 will be that. Well, we'll be very much looking forward to seeing how both of those, uh, you know, opportunities progress here, both uh, both with Get in the Game and with the Deeks. Uh, they're on the field in 2021. We really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to join us here on the Baseball America College podcast. Again, I'm, I'm excited to see the Deeks in 2021, and I'm excited to see where, where Get in the Game goes uh, from here, both in 2021 and hopefully you know, well into to the future as well. Thank you, Teddy and, and Joe. And, and again, I just want to echo the sentiments of before. We just really appreciate everything that Baseball America does for, for the game, both professionally and at the amateur level, and, uh, and kind of being the, the flagship publication of our sport. Appreciate you. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much. That, that was great. Thank you again to Tom Walter and Kevin Jordan for joining us here on the Baseball America College podcast. Uh, the website for their organization, again, is getinthegame.org. Uh, Joe, so we heard it from them, the, the reasons why they, uh, they went about creating this, this organization, you know, just trying to kind of promote equality and help educate young people, uh, understand what that means and how they can be, um, you know, positive influencers in their community uh, to to promote this message of, of equality and um, you know just have thoughtful interactions about you know the subject of race and and it, its dynamic within a community. So I find that to be you know a, a really great uh, message that they're they're out there you know working towards. Um, you know, so I, I was really interested when, you know, the, the press release landed in my inbox, um, you know, and that was less than a week ago. So I, I'm, I'm happy we were able to, to get them on here to, you know, to talk about this. And, and like you mentioned before the interview, just kind of explain it in their own words, because that is pretty powerful when people are, you know, committing their, their time, uh, to a nonprofit, you know, they're, they tend to be, you know, really big believers in the cause. And, and I, that, that's what you heard, or at least that's what I heard here today. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah. And it's a, you and I were talking before we, we started recording here, just you mentioned how recently it was that you, you got the press release and this is a fairly new venture. Now, like we discussed in the interview, the ball really is already rolling. They, they are off and running here, but it's a fairly new venture, but you know, you look at their, their website and, the team they've assembled and kind of what they're working on. And this is not that I expected it to, to be anything less necessarily, but I mean, this is an honest to goodness nonprofit and an honest to goodness venture. And this is, this is a real, real thing here. Um, again, not that I expect any less, but you just, you kind of expect maybe it's on its, you know, early, early legs and it's just kind of getting rolling. And, and like they, they, they've really done the, the, the legwork here. It's, it's clear. Um, so that was, that was cool to see. And, and I, I think what was, what's neat about this is that coach Walter, you know, they talked a little bit about how this started and, and coach Walter felt it within himself that he needed to do more. And there's a lot of coaches around the country in the, the aftermath of, um, you know, the, the killing of George Floyd were, um, you know, reaching out to their, their players on their roster and, and, and their families and talking about these kinds of things. And that's all really, really important stuff. I, I don't in any way want to diminish the work that coaches in other places were doing in terms of talking to their teams and talking through it and, and being a sounding board for players to express whatever it is they wanted to express about that. And then sending across messages of unity and togetherness. And that's all really important stuff. So I, again, I want to be clear that I'm not saying what they did was less than or not valid because it certainly was, but you know, coach Walter took it to another level and said, how can I, how can I make change? Like, how can I, take what I'm feeling and turn it into action. And, and of course, 
you know, he reached out to Kevin Jordan and they have that obvious that, that bond and that, that history. So it was a natural uh, partnership there. But as you heard in the interview, it's a, it's a, a natural person to bring into the fold because uh, Kevin is um, passionate and, and, and incredibly intelligent and knows what he wants to, to get out of this and what he wants it to be and has a very clear picture. I, I really enjoyed his answer to when I asked him, if you put yourself in a student's shoes who would be going through this program, what would you want it to be? And through that, what do you, what do you, what do you want this to be? And, and he had a really clear answer for me on that. So he clearly has a, a clear vision for what he wants this to be. Coach Walter has a clear vision for what he wants this to be. And, and I think, um, you know, I can't, I can't say enough about how impressive it is that Coach Walter, a man, by the way, <laughs> you alluded to this in the interview, a man, by the way, that you know, has a baseball team to coach. Coaching college baseball is not the easiest job in terms of just the time it, it takes from you. And sure, COVID slowed everybody down a little bit. And they're not shy about saying that, you know, uh, being in a place where COVID kind of changed the world a little bit made this kind of a natural time and place to get this off the ground. But still, it's a pretty busy man. And, and but he really is diving headfirst into this um, to get this done. And I think that speaks volumes about um, what he is as a, as a man and as a leader, um, you know, as, as a college baseball coach that he would have, uh, want to have this kind of impact, not just on his team, not just on his immediate community, but uh, the world more at large. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Tom Walter has long had, you know, a reputation of being, I guess, that kind of coach. Uh, he had, you know, he was the coach at, at New Orleans when Hurricane Katrina struck. And, you know, if you read anything about what, you know, Tom Walter's time at, at UNO during, you know, that, that dramatic, uh, traumatic experience was, um, you know, it all talks about how everyone is just blown away at how, how, much, how caring he was for, for the players and, and how invested he was in making sure his players were, were in a good spot. And, you know, that's clearly carried over to Wake Forest. Um, and I think that's carrying over here. And it's, uh, it, it's going to, like I said, the, the service of, you know, an important idea, um, you know, and, and the, the importance of, of, you know, just educating young people and helping guide them to, to thinking about things that have nothing to do with baseball and, you know, just make them better, global citizens better citizens of 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 their local communities so you know i i think all of that is is fantastic i happened to grow up in a place that had you know not this program obviously but uh you know throughout our our um you know school curriculum starting in like third or fourth grade you know, we had kind of an, a, a mentorship program with high school students would, would come over to the various younger elementary and then middle schools and, and talk about race relations and the importance of, of, you know, diversity and, you know, equality and, you know, just building communities across various divides that that exist and you know, so I, I i thought that was you know as a kid you know you don't you don't think like oh this is really cool and like i'm so glad that they're doing this like you know in fifth grade that that's sure not what, it, what we were thinking but you know at, looking back at it I'm, I'm very thankful that that i grew up where i grew up with people that, that think about it in, in those ways and so for other you know, for, for, for Kevin Jordan and Tom Walter to bring a similar opportunity to students at, at the schools that they're working with now, and hopefully they'll be able to expand it. Um, you know, I think it, I, I think it's a really great idea and hopefully um, they're able to, to really take this and, and run with this and, and grow it as, as they go from here. Yeah, I think that's, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's, Certainly, something I'm interested in, in, in observing and seeing happen is this: this expand into a 
a larger program and it, um, you know, I, I'm interested. We'll say though, sorry to interrupt Joe, even if they never go to any more schools, even if it's just the three that they're at now, plus the, the nationals Academy, that would itself would be great. Like, I, I don't want to put pressure on them, but like they need to make sure. this like a, a statewide or nationwide operation. Like, even if it's just these three schools, like that would be great. Like anything they can do along these lines, like would be fantastic. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. That's, that's a good clarification from you because it, 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 um, Yes. Again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying with that, you know, just because other college coaches did not start a new organization to, to talk about these kinds of issues in our society does not mean their efforts to help in that way were, were not valid. Similarly, if this is what the, the extent of um, what this organization is, it's, it's great work and it's totally valid and it's going to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. And, and that, that is enough. Now it, it's clear from talking to them, they want more than that, but um, this is enough if this is, is what it is. So you're, that's a, that's a good clarification. Absolutely true there. So, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of great things going on here. I mean, it's, it's the fact that it's, you know, starting with, with younger children and kind of working them up through the, you know, I think the idea is that it becomes something much like your experience in school was that you, you, you hear these kinds of messages early and you kind of grow with the program. And, you know, as, as you grow through the program, you, the message kind of, becomes a little more nuanced and you're, you're more involved in the discussion. And I think that's, that's kind of important. And um, I think it's something we can all, we can all get behind. I think, you know, no matter, um, no matter what your background is or, you know, where you come from, I think we can all kind of agree on the need to, 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 to treat people well and to, to, to um, come together and for there to be unity and, and just get along and to understand each other. I think that's, that's important to understand each other and to listen and, um, all of that, I think, is is things that that should have 100% uh, approval rating on, and so this is an effort towards that. And so certainly, I'm on board. I know you're on board, Teddy, and um, I look forward to uh, continuing to follow the developments in this organization because I thought they, I think they've got the right guys behind it. It's got a, a great message. I think they're off to a great start, and I'm excited about it. And again, if you're looking for more information, uh, they're directing you to their website, getinthegame.org. Um, you can find them on various social media as well, but probably easiest to go to the website and then branch out from there if you're, if you're looking for more, more info about what they are doing. Uh, all right, Joe, we touched on very briefly with, uh, with Tom Walter there at the end, and I don't really want to touch on it anymore than briefly again, since we, we didn't get into it much, much there. But you've been out to Wake Forest uh, for fall ball. They're an interesting team going into 2019 or 2021. I don't know. I don't know what year this is anymore. Um, interesting team going into 21. And they also have a, a pitcher in Ryan Cusick, who we have ranked very highly on our list of pitchers to watch uh, for the strikeout title this year. So uh, if you can, uh, bridge the gap between our, our two discussion points here uh, with a little Wake Forest uh, talk. Um, any, anything you saw this fall or what you're looking forward to uh, in 21? Yeah, I mean, they're, uh, it's a good team. Uh, like what I saw a lot. Um, it was kind of a nasty day. So sometimes you, it was kind of doing that spitting rain thing and it was kind of the air was thick. And so sometimes in those types of, and you saw it a little bit with pitcher control, but but just generally I like what I, what I saw that they're always going to hit, they'll hit again, Chris Lanzilli, Bobby Seymour, Michael Tarconi, like so on and so forth. You, you, you heard Coach Walter mention it. They've got eight of their top nine guys back. The, the trouble is they've got guys who probably should get more of an opportunity. And, you know, just like we've talked about with all these teams around the country, you just don't know how much that opportunity will be available because um, every, everybody's got everybody back basically. So there, there's that, but um, no, they're going to hit. They always hit. The pitching is interesting to me. It's a really good group of arms. Cusick is, is chief among them, but there's also Will Fleming, uh, who's, a, who's uh, kind of similar to, to Cusick in that it's a big-time arm. It's, it's um, high potential, but it's just the kind of the consistency piece. Um, he looked good in, in, in 2020. We'll just have to see more of that as time goes on. Uh, Shane Smith, a guy who has closed for them, who is um, – they're experimenting with stretching him out to be a starter is, is a good arm as well. Uh, you know, good fastball with a, a breaking ball that I really like. And Antonio Menendez is probably the most interesting guy they have just because he gives you 
a couple different looks. He's got like a low three quarter where it's, fastball's got a little two seam action and it is kind of in the, you know, the mid to high eighties. And then he'll come over the top with a fastball that can get up to 95. Um, it's just a, not going to be a comfortable at bat for anybody. And if he can throw more strikes, that was his problem in, in 2020. If he can throw more strikes, I think he's going to be really, really tough to hit. So it's kind of a similar story to last year with Wake Forest, where it's just like, if those arms come together, you know, the offense is going to be good. There's really not much holding them back from being a really, really good team, a team that could, if things break right, host. But it's just going to be about, I think we know what we have in Cusick, but it's going to be about, okay, what is Shane Smith's role? Uh, and then what do Will Fleming and Antonio Menendez do to be a little more consistent um, and be more dominant game to game? I think that's going to be the uh, the question with them moving forward, similar to what it was going into into 2020. But um, certainly Cusick is high on the list of, of guys, I would imagine. I mean, he what he did last year, what he did this summer, there's very little suggest that he's not, as long as he stays healthy, and that's the caveat with all of these pitchers, but as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be um, – right up there in terms of, of guys you expect to to come close to leading the country country in strikeouts. Um, you know, he, he's – the guy we have number two, Seth Lonsway, I feel like it's a similar profile in terms of, like, the recent track record is really, really good. It's the longer-term track record that maybe there are some questions about, but certainly if they pick up where they leave off or they where they left off in 2020, those two guys are guys to watch, right along with, of course, you know, Kumar Rocker, who we have at number one. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting uh, situation there at Wake. You know, they lose Jared Schuster, um, you know, in the first round of the Braves, but you, you're you able to plug in a guy like Cusick, and, you know, that's uh, that's an enviable situation to be in, to, to lose one first-round arm and, and to have another one coming right behind him who has the kind of potential uh, that, that Cusick does. I mean, he could be, uh, I don't want to say the best pitcher in the ACC like like I mean he could be um but you know he's certainly one of the the very best pitchers in the ACC would be the expectation and uh if it wound up being that that he was ACC pitcher of the year I don't think anyone would be particularly surprised so uh that that's a big big time thing to have for them and and their pitching staff and I feel like maybe the next step in the progression of Wake Forest baseball is to just build a little more depth on the mound. But if you're turning out first round arms more years than you're not, like, I mean, I, I'd like to see a little more from track record on that, but you know, they have a lot of big time arms coming through there. And Cusick is the, he's the most recent one. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we ranked him very high on that list of, of potential strikeout canes. I mean, I, I, you mentioned Kumar Rocker being being one, Seth Lonsway being up there, Jack Leiter is up there for Vanderbilt as well. Um, a lot of big time arms back in college baseball. The last week's exercise with the the home runs was a lot of like, well, you know, this guy's gone and this guy's gone, and look at all the power that's gone. In this case, I feel like there's a lot of, you know, obviously Lacey and Detmers and Meyer leaving in the top 10 picks uh, does a lot, you know, removes a lot of, of premium strikeout guys from college baseball. Landon Knack led the country last year um, in the abbreviated season and, and he goes as a second round pick. And so there, there is a fair amount of turnover on the leaderboards, but there's also, you know, Seth Lonsway led the country in K nine. Um, obviously sample size is what it is, but he was the leader. Um, Kumar Rocker has piled up a ton of strikeouts in his career. Ryan Cusick has piled up a lot of strikeouts, and um, you know, so it, it, it's interesting that there's that there just seems to be a deeper well right now in terms of uh, strikeout pitchers than than there was in terms of power at the plate. Yeah, I think that's right, and I, I'm really there as I was writing some of these little blurbs we have under each name. I was struck by how many guys we have. And look, this is the nature of the beast because 2020 was what it was. However, I think even more so than the hitters, there's a, a group of guys who we who are draft eligible, by the way, many of them, who we just haven't seen. Like Jaden Hill is, is maybe chief among them. We have him fifth on this list, just a guy who hadn't thrown that much because of 2020 and also because of injury. And Christian McLeod finally got his chance in 2020, but then it was cut short. So there's, um, you know, this whole group of guys, whether it's guys who 
like Hunter Barco or Connor Prelip, who were freshmen in 2020, who were just kind of projecting a little bit there, or injury guys. I mentioned those two. Also, Stephen Hadger in Michigan's a good example. Or a guy like Kevin Abel, for that matter, for a whole different set of reasons, is a little bit of a wild card. Uh, I, I was kind of struck by how many guys we have on this list that we like what we've seen in a small sample, but in the grand scheme of things, the sample is just really, really small, even for non-COVID cancellation reasons. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it'll be interesting to, you know, Jaden Hill has perhaps the best stuff in college baseball right now. So I'm, I'm interested to see what that looks like at, at the front of LSU's rotation uh, for, for the full season. And I know a lot of scouts are as well. Um, and, and then, you know, you mentioned a guy like Kevin Abel, like, I mean, everyone saw what he's capable of. So, you know, getting that back, uh, it, you know, <laughs> there's just a lot of pitching in college baseball right now. And, and that's often true. Uh, college pitching is consistently one of the things that you see a lot of at the top of drafts. Uh, but this year, especially there's, there's a lot of premium arms and they, I, they're, they're well spread out, you know, around the country. I mean, we're talking about guys and, the SEC and the ACC, yes, but, you know, the Big Ten has three or four guys in the top 15 here. Um, you know, there are some mid-major guys you can look to, and, uh, you know, it, it's uh, I, it, it's just impressive to see the wealth of pitching when, when you kind of lay it all out um, in, in a top 25 like this. It's even, I mean, there's a little bit, as I scroll through kind of some of the guys we left off the list, like, one of the big debates you and I had were that there is a pretty sizable group of guys who are highly thought of prospects for the 21 draft who have varying track records at the college level, but universally have good stuff because they wouldn't be 20, you know, top prospects for the 21 draft if, if they didn't, but they just aren't big strikeout guys necessarily. A guy like Ty Madden at Texas was probably the, the chief debate we had, but you know, Tommy Mays falls into that. Uh, category Mason Pelio falls into that category um, so there there are some guys too I think that the well of, of pitchers who we have every reason to believe they could end up on this list but just for one reason or another just haven't been able to prove that they can be on this list is, is pretty high too I mean there's there's those excuse me there's those guys and there's also a guy like Gavin Williams who throws 100 miles an hour and the guy throwing 100 miles an hour in this at East Gavin Williams East Carolina if he throws you know, even 80 or 90 innings, if he stays healthy, I mean, a guy throwing that hard is going to pile up strikeouts. So you're right. And then the pitching is really deep in college baseball this year. If for no other reason than how many guys for one reason or other, we could kind of shoehorn on this list and make a pretty reasonable argument for them to be there that we ended up having to leave off. I felt like this was a list where sometimes we struggle to get to 25. I don't think this one was really a struggle at all. There were probably 50 guys that we could have made a reasonable argument for here. Yeah, this was uh, definitely a case of like cutting guys, not adding guys. And um, yeah, like you said, not always when we're we're making our weekly top twenty-five do we feel like that. But this was uh, th- this was definitely a case of of having a lot of options. And you know, frankly, I I believe that you know the the strikeout champion is is on this list. But you know, if you look back through the history of the the division one strikeout leader usually it's either a guy that is like certified ace for an omaha team and therefore has a few extra innings to pile up strikeouts but like not like they're cheapies like ethan small and alex fido both have led the nation in strikeouts uh within the last five years like i don't think anyone's going to accuse those guys of not being legit strikeout guys or they're like guys like Joey Lucchese or, or Matt Hall maybe um, who are a little further down, you know, obviously the, the Ohio Valley and Missouri Valley conference are in two different spots in, in terms of the, the pecking order themselves. But um, you know, I don't know that we could have forecast Joey Lucchese a year in advance. Maybe, maybe I'm misremembering, but if, so if something like that happens, you know, I mean, that, that's what happened this year with Landon Knack. Sometimes guys just take take steps forward, and um, you know I'll, I'll be interested to see see if that happens this year. I mean, it's I feel like it's less common that you see that on the home run leaderboard 
you know who the power guys are from from year to year uh, generally, but the the strikeout leaderboard sometimes has a little surprise at the top for you. I think that's right. I think it's some some of it too is that to your point, you can kind of see some of this stuff coming. It's it would be hard to lead the country in strikeouts if your team is not at least going to play you pretty deep into the into the postseason, just because you know in the home run race you play an extra six or eight games, you might, unless you're just really on a tear, you might get a couple more home runs. If you're a starting pitcher who gets three extra starts, like you could conceivably pile up a couple dozen strikeouts. So you really can make some hay at the end of the year if you're someone pitching at the at the end of the season. There, there are a million reasons Kumar Rocker should have been number one on this list, but one of them is definitely that we expect Vanderbilt to play into June. And, you know, if Kumar Rocker goes on a run like he did at the end of the 2019 season, um, you know, he's going to add a, a whole bunch of extra strikeouts onto the end of his total when most of college baseball has been done playing for weeks. Yes, a- absolutely. Um, so that's a check that out over at, over at baseballamerica.com. It's, it's there for you guys to read uh, something to watch in, uh, in 2021. We'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see where it goes. I, I do think, between Kumar, Seth Lonsway, Cusick, Jaden Hill, Jack Leiter, like I think those are your guys. But like I said, you never know. Somebody, somebody might pop up and uh, you know pop off, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll be eager to see how how this race shakes out uh, in the spring season. All right, so that's going to do us do it for us today here on the Baseball America College podcast. There's plenty more to read over at baseballamerica.com. Joe and I are working through um, some. I don't want to call them. Uh, what, what are we calling these, Joe? The, the, we're 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 examining programs and answering some of the biggest questions they have going through fall practice. Um, Joe's got. Joe, Joe did Tennessee, Illinois State, and Duke last week. By the time you listen to this, hopefully I'll have Texas online. So we're, we're working our way through those as, uh, as, as we go here. Yeah, I've been calling them the, the fall questions series, like colloquially, just like internally at BA. That's what I've been calling them. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're rolling on those. I should have Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt and Auburn are on deck for me. So a couple of programs I think people will be interested to, to catch up on. And, and I don't know about you, like as you've been thinking about as you've been, not to derail us right as you were trying to close, but <laughs> as you've been thinking about these fall questions, like one of the things I've tried to work on that, that can be kind of hard is these, these programs have similar questions in a lot of cases. Like the, the chief one, and we mentioned this earlier, is, okay, everybody is back. Like where are there opportunities for new faces to kind of elbow their way in? Where are there actually position battles that are believable? So the challenge has kind of been, and this has been, I think, good – a good exercise for me is to kind of like set those aside. And in some cases, those questions are worth being asked as part of these pieces. But my challenge has been to kind of set those questions aside a little bit and try to like dig a little deeper into some questions. And sometimes that means you get in the weeds a little bit, but I do think sometimes in other cases, it's, it's kind of helped me unearth kind of interesting questions or things I hadn't considered with a specific program, because, you know, it would be really easy for us on every single one of these to write, um, you know, well, you know, what are they going to do with the depth at this position or who are they going to, you know, they have five guys for three rotation spots. Who are they going to start? Like that would be really easy to just do time over and over and over again. The challenge is kind of figuring out other angles beyond that. Yeah. It's uh it's an interesting exercise to go through teams at, at this time of the year. Uh, coaches are generally pretty happy about their teams and players at this time of year. So uh, the, the deficiencies might not be showing up quite yet, but if you can, you know, kind of find where the cracks might be, like that's that's kind of what we're going for here. So check those out. We've got we've got a bunch more on the way, and they're meant to be kind of not bite-sized, but easily digestible, rather than you know inviting you to you know really dive in uh, to Tennessee here in the month of October. We're we're kind of trying to hit the highlights. Um, and then we'll, we'll come back with, with deeper analysis, obviously in, in a couple months. But if you're, if you're just looking to kind of catch up on, on where some of the top teams or your favorite team, uh, are at, at this time of the year, hopefully we, uh, we can provide that for you, uh, 
so yeah, check all of those out over at baseballamerica.com. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Ted Cahill. Joe is at Joe Healy BA. We would really appreciate it if you could subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcasting app, be that Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're finding your podcasts, you can find us. Subscribe, rate, review. We, uh, we appreciate uh, everyone who takes time to do any or all of those things. Uh, we'll be back here with another edition of the Baseball America College podcast next week. And again, until then, plenty of content over at Baseball America com for you to check out. Want to thank Wake Forest coach Tom Walter and his former player Kevin Jordan for joining us today uh, to talk a little bit about their program there. And want to thank you guys for listening. For Joe, I'm Teddy. We'll see you next time here on the Baseball America College Podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.